You are Locked On Cavaliers, your daily Cleveland Cavaliers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Cleveland Cavaliers select Darius Garland from Vanderbilt University. Hey, Chris Manning here from Lockdown Cast, joined as always by my co-host Evan Emerald. Evan, what's up, buddy? Well, you know, it's another brown Sunday. Maybe they'll beat Pittsburgh for mm. like second or third time in my life, which will be interesting. But no, all things are good. It's good to talk Cavs. We actually have a lot of things to talk about today, so I'm excited to get going. How about you? Doing good. You know, we're recording this pre-Brown Steelers on Sunday. Um, I have Tottenham West Ham on in the background for me because it's might it's going to be Gareth Bale coming off the bench day, which is which is of a course. big 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 deal at the club. Um, but should people, is. yeah, a couple things is for housekeeping here. Number one, um, I'm Chris Manning, co-host here of Lockdown Cavs. You're joining us for the first time. I also run FearTheSword.com with Evan. And write in places like Forbes Magazine, Cleveland Magazine, and and do the Ineligible Man Downfield Newsletter with Jordan Zerm. Evan, just give everyone your bio real quick here. I cover the Cavs and the NBA every now and then for Forbes online sports section. I do run the show, like Chris mentioned, at Fear the Sword as an editor. And we are doing Locked on Cavs five days a week, every week, until the inevitable heat death of the universe. So it's 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 always a good time to talk about... Cleveland's basketball team, but thank you for joining us on WKYC. If you're an audio listener, thank you for joining us as well. Anywhere you get your podcast. Yes. Um, just so people uh, know what we're doing, basically one of the the ongoing series we're going to do in the lead up to the draft is we're really going to dive in to the NBA draft, free agency, and possible trade partner. So every show, Tuesday through what Thursday, so three shows of the five a week, we're going to do a draft prospect profile, a trade partner profile, and a free agent option profile. Mondays and Fridays, Friday will be book club. Monday will be ideally every week a, a guest that we can talk about the Cavs with, get some outside perspective and get some really, really smart basketball people on to talk about this weird basketball team and this weird organization. Um, but Evan, we're going to start with the draft. And the first mm-hmm. prospect up for us is a guy that I don't think the Cavs are going to draft. I don't a lot either. of the guys that we're, that we're going to talk about in the beginning here are names that we should cover contextually in, in the range the Cavs are drafting or could trade back into in certain instances or, or whatever. This is not this is a guy that I really like. I've come to really like him and doing my research on him. Um, that's Tyrese Halliburton, the guard from Iowa State University. He is a 6'5 guard with a 6'8 wingspan. Really interesting player. But for the Cavs and their needs, I, I think he has to be off the table at 5. Oh, he's super low on the totem pole. And from what I gathered, they like Tyrese Halliburton, the player, but they just don't really see the fit. And it's a lot like um, Killian Hayes, or Killian Hayes is outright told Cleveland not to draft him because they have Colin Sexton and Darius Garland on the roster, which makes sense. And I understand maybe if Tyrese says the same thing, but I like Tyrese Halliburton as the prospect a lot. Like He has a very low floor and has the potential to have a high ceiling. He's one of the safer prospects in this draft class, and I think he could be an elite glue guy long-term at the point. He has a high-level pick-and-roll ability. He's an elite team defender, and he's a very has a wonky shot, but he's a good catch-and-shoot shooter. And playmaking is his biggest appeal, and I like what he brings to the table, but I think teams like New York, I think teams like even Chicago, I know Chicago and Iowa state players that just go hand in hand they're part and parcel with each other but there's a lot of teams that they need a point guard even charlotte um possibly or detroit like there's a lot of teams who need a point guard Tyus halliburton makes a lot of sense for them but he makes 
next to zero sense for Cleveland. The Killian Hayes comp, who we're going to talk about on tomorrow's show, weirdly enough, um, I, it's like I planned that or something, yeah. is a good comp. Um, he, little different players, you know, I think Hay, or Halburn's a little bit taller, a little longer, but um, Hayes is listed at like, I think 215 and, and Halburn's listed at a mere 175 pounds. So like he's pretty slight. And the way I think about him is this, if I was the Cavs and they had done something different last year or the year before, Let's say, like, last year they had taken, um, just the first name comes to mind, Cam Bradish at five instead of Darius Garland. You yeah. have that wing prospect. This is where a guy like Halliburton, who I think is a very modern player, comes in and makes a lot of sense. He can play. Mm-hmm. He matches up a little better with Sexton in terms of his size. I think he's going to be able to defend ones and twos and probably some threes. The the guy that comes a lot, and I hate player comps, but that comes up a lot when you talk about him is, is Shea Gillis-Alexander. Plays for the Thunder now, was originally picked by the LA Clippers and then traded as part of the Paul George deal. Another Long player. point guard who told Cleveland not to draft him <laughs> as well. Yeah, was was very adamant that he didn't want to play in Cleveland if the, a lot of reporting buzzed before that draft class, which is obviously the Collins section draft. But he's really long, can defend multiple positions, has some playmaking juice, is a good shooter, um, and proving as a shooter is kind of the key there and, and see what he can get. If the Cavs are a little bit differently built, Mm-hmm. I would love the the Tyrese Halliburton fit. I think he makes a lot of sense. I think he's a really modern player. Going through the numbers from him at Iowa State, um, according to Ken Pomeroy's site, KenPom.com, which is the the kind of the holy grail of college basketball data, um, 36 in the nation in steal rate, 26 in assist rate, shot under just under 42% from three, and, uh, and encouragingly for his long-term shot progression, 82.2% as a free-throw shooter. I just really, really like him. Again, the mm-hmm. 6'5", 6'8", frame is, is something to love as a, as a guard. But, again, like if this is not a guy that if you took him at five this year if in your Cleveland, I just don't think it makes sense. He makes much more sense for a team that has that is more of a blank slate or if he were to slide a little bit to the back of the lottery, a team that kind of needs that kind of guard to kind of round it out its rotation as it tries to take a step forward. The Cavs is just sort of like, no. eh? Like, why, why would you do this? Yeah, um, I'd feel really bad for Kevin Love because this would be the second team he's played for. They drafted a point guard three years in a row. I know we joke well, it about wouldn't quite be. It wouldn't quite be, as far as, as we know, Ricky Rubio and Johnny Flynn in the same draft instead over of Steph. Steph Curry. Yeah, it's not as egregious, yeah. but at the same time, um, no, I really do like Halliburton as a player, but I just don't think he has a good fit with the Cavaliers, which which is a shame. Um, like you said, if maybe they didn't draft Darius Garland last year and they drafted cam reddish or if they went with brandon clark but brandon clark feels like a bit of a reach at five or they really did think kevin porter was a top five prospect and took kevin Mm -hmm. porter which they ended up taking 30 which will look like a reach at the time but maybe the Cavs would be confirmed on their beliefs in porter if they did select him at that point um no i I like halliburton a lot but i think he's gonna be a player i monitor and watch from a distance and just kind of appreciate as a rookie like i think He's not going to really like jump off the page and be a John Morant type prospect, but I think I mean Shea's growth. I didn't expect. I didn't expect this leap from the Clippers to what we see with Oklahoma City and maybe playing alongside Chris Paul helps a lot. But I think if we get yeah. like a Clippers Shea, um, I think that's realistic to expect for like Tyrese Halliburton's career long term because he's also an older prospect too, which I know is yeah. lame to dog people for, but it does murky the waters a little bit on his long term potential. Yeah, I, I think it's not quite like on the Obi Topin level um, in God terms no. of being like older already, but you know he's is a little bit more. But there is some polish there, and if you if you look at we'll talk about this with Hayes, but like he's eighteen, and like 
I, if you had to pick one, like, I would rather, if I'm the Cavs, I would just take the guy that you sort of know what they are because, like, mm-hmm. he, he can at least, like, kind of contribute in a clear way, whereas Hayes, you're probably going to have a little more up and down, a little more all over the placeness. Do you have a do you have a fit you like for, for Hayes, or, excuse me, Halliburton in the lottery? I Chicago makes a lot of sense to me, but I at four, it might be a little high. Um, do you have, but do you have a fit that you like? Well, if Chicago doesn't take either him or Killian Hayes and when it goes to Denny Avia, I think New York or Detroit, if you flip-flop between those two, one of them is going to select Killian Hayes and the other one will select Tyrese Halliburton, and I think both teams will be very happy with them because they're both teams that need a point guard and just some type of competency at the position, and Tyrese Halliburton's a break-in-case-of-emergency kind of player, and I know Hayes has a lot of potential, and he's gotten D'Angelo Russell and Manu Ginobili comparisons, but... I don't know. I think those two would be good fits for Halliburton. How about you? If he slides, I think those are the two likely landing spots. There's a lot of smoke for Detroit and Golden State um, as well. Golden State seems like they like him, but eh, it's another weird fit. But I don't hate the Atlanta fit because he'd be an interesting kind of to compliment to Trey Young in a lot Mm -hmm. of ways. But um, my favorite one is probably Phoenix at ten because I don't think he gets one from Ricky Rubio. I don't either, but if you if I'm saying I get to put him in a situation that I like, I I think Phoenix, where he could compliment Devin Booker, um, could be a guy that plays and learns alongside Ricky Rubio. I I like that fit for him. But Evan, let's take a quick break here. But why don't you tell everyone about one of our great sponsors? Well, let me tell you about our friends at RockAuto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than changing prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules to brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. Why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Check them out today at rockauto.com. And let me give you a quick word from our other sponsor, Biltco. Break through your wall. Whether it's a mental or physical wall, break through it with Go every day. It's easy to take in 1.5 ounce packages. You can put it in your briefcase for the most focused presentation ever, your golf bag to power through the back nine, or put it in your pocket to get through the day. Biltco is the best workout gel on the market. It's a five hour energy without the same crash feeling, plus it's natural so it's better for the body. It's like drinking a monster drink with a third of the caffeine and better results. It comes in three delicious flavors, including peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, and coconut or chocolate mint. Bilko combines energy gel with collagen protein. Collagen protein is fast absorbing, so it gets into my system fast, plus it's easy on the stomach. Bilko is loaded with the good stuff to ignite my work. Beta alanine, B3, honey, and a kick of caffeine. It has everything. Bilko then kicks it up to keep me going strong with vitamins B6, B12, and it actually is 10% of your daily, 10,000%, excuse me, of your daily percentage. And also yeah, collagen promotes, short, crushing yeah, it, crushing no, it. 
Bilco crushes it, and it, it's such a great product. And also, it has collagen that promotes joint, soft tissue, hair, and skin health. This stuff literally makes you look better. I mean, my, my skin has glown up quite a bit ever since I started using Bilco on a daily basis. For our listeners, visit Bilco.com and use the promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at Bilco.com. Let's go. All right, we're back here, Locked on Cavs. I'm Chris Manning. He's Evan Damerel. Hello. Evan, let's dive into a trade partner. Um, and we're gonna. our first one is the Dallas Mavericks. Mm-hmm. Now, this is uh, kind of a weird one because yeah. I don't know if there's like a great, great trade option. But where do you want to start with this? Well, let's talk about Dallas's season. They have a young star duo in Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. They have a lot of fun complimentary pieces like Seth Curry, uh, Dorian Finney, um, Maxi Kleva, but he, like you mentioned before we started recording, has a ruptured Achilles, so not as fun. Or Dwight Powell had, oh, sorry, Dwight Powell Dwight Powell had the ruptured Achilles, Achilles yeah. but Maxi Kleva is also a fun player as well. My apologies. But Dallas has a lot of fun young pieces after, you know, kind of just being mediocre and, you know, being left out in the free agency, like like DeAndre Jordan leaving them at the altar and then DeAndre Jordan ending up there. So they are going to be a team, I think, that is in the hunt for a third star. And I don't know if Kevin Love, they don't have the salary to really make Kevin Love work. I mean, unless Dallas wants to unload everything on Cleveland, like New York unloaded on them for Kristaps Porzingis. But... I could see them being like an Andre Drummond destination because they do have a need at center because Porzingis rather would play the four than the five in Dallas from what I know, and he is better suited at the five. It's a lot like Anthony Davis with the Lakers, but Dallas is a weird trade partner, but they do have some pieces that could be intriguing. I think that if the Mavericks did want to agree to a trade with Cleveland, it would probably be for Andre Drummond if he picks up his player option. Yeah, and again, all likely that he does. Again, he's, I can't imagine he's turning down that amount of money um, amid, amid the league's crisis um, with the cap and revenue. I mean, you, you listen to people that are like Brian Windhorst, and they talk about the finance of the league. It's just like this is going to be um, tough sledding, I think, in a lot of ways. There's still so much kind of unknown in terms of the financial realities of the NBA with Dallas. I, if I were them, I obviously understand you want to – it's kind of like, let's call it the Anthony Davis theory of playing center, where it's like a guy like Porzingis or AD is clearly better at the five. Mm-hmm. That is the optimal modern use for that kind of player that can space, that can do a little pick and pop action, but also can roll to the rim and can do some work in the post and the mid post if you want to. Mm-hmm. Porzingis isn't nearly as good of a post to player. He's actually kind of like bad as a post to player if you look at the numbers. Um, not really an effective player in that sense, but regardless. If you want to have a, a five type to kind of take some of the bruising and the and the the grind of that position off of that player for the chunk of the season, Andre Drummond's like a big number to commit for that kind of player. It is, but You'd, the Cavs are also about to commit twenty nine million for ten for the year. So right, right. What I'm saying from Dallas's perspective, yeah. like it's it's hard pressed. But uh, the, the I was going through the trade NBA kind of met boards and kind of coming up with fake trades, and the one that came up for. for for them is Drummond. And that's, um, Drummond goes to Dallas. The Cavs get back Dorian Finney-Smith, who's a, a really good wing, Dwight Powell, two second round picks, and a 2021st. That is an extreme overpay from Dallas. I, I oh, think the framework absolutely. of that deal is absolutely outrageous. Um, that's the kind of money it's work. You could do Tim Hardaway Jr. and, and everything, but like he's a little less useful to me if I'm the Cavs. And also, like Dallas also needs to hold on to as many wings as, as they can. Powell is good, but he's, again, coming off that Achilles thing, 
we'll kind of see. He could be a piece like a year from now, but he's an interesting player. Um, if I were, if I were the Cavs and you were to be offered this deal, I take it in a heartbeat because Finney and Smith is like an older, good veteran wing. Yeah. That number one, like he could help your team and start at the three next year, but he's also making four million dollars each of the next two years. You hundred percent could then flip him to a contender and get an and get a first round pick in exchange for him. Hundred percent believe that mm-hmm. you could. Um, just the salary costs and everything like that is good. He shot thirty seven percent on three last year, a big jump from like thirty percent where he was the year before. So that's at least like interesting. The picks are obviously good. You can do a lot of creative things with second round picks. You could stash guys. You could take a two way guy. You could draft um, a take a flyer on a guy. Yeah, yeah. You could do that kind of stuff. And and there's obviously been a lot of interesting players drafted in the second round in the past. So mm-hmm. I would do this if I was the Cavs. I also oh, yeah. think it's a, a vast overpay for for what Drummond is. And if this if a deal with Dallas were to happen, I don't even. I think you're probably getting. Like it's probably maybe the two seconds or, or the second and the I, the I I don't think this is likely. I don't see why Dallas would do this instead of like trying to just get a cheap bargain bin center like like Dwight Howard or JaVale that like they did with the Lakers. Like but I, I, I understand sort of the appeal of like if you wanted a third star and, and everything like that, I guess, but I don't really see it. Yeah, so I'm trying to remember was the payment that Kate Cleveland made for Andre was it one second round pick or two? One. Okay, so they sent two expiring contracts and John Henson and Brandon Knight players that, even though John Henson was really freaking good for the Cavs, weren't in the rotation for Cleveland. And a second-round pick via Golden State, I know that one, I didn't know if there's a second one, but like a second-round pick that's going to be worthless in the grand scheme of things once Golden State's back to being the Warriors. Um, so the Cavs... And hit, rate, hit rates on picks and second-round picks are pretty low, even yeah. though like you'd like to have them. They're pretty low. They're pl- pretty low hit rate on quality players. For sure. And so the Cavs didn't really pay realistically anything for Andre Drummond. They kind of robbed Detroit if you know Drummond turned out to be like an all-star caliber center, and he didn't. And um, no, no, this is a huge overpay for Dallas. Uh, I was going through their roster, and I raised my eyebrows. That Remember when Seth Curry was a rookie for the Cavs, and now he's 30 years old playing for Dallas? Isn't that just weird? He's, and, he, and he's really good. He's Seth phenomenal. Curry's like a really good rotation player. Phenomenal rotation player. Like, Dallas has a lot of good, fun rotation players that I just don't think they're going to be so willing to part with for one year of Andre Drummond. Um, if Dallas did want to trade for him, I think maybe a bit more of a realistic trade we can maybe work out just as, like, baseline for players is, like, you send Tim Hardaway Jr. as like the base salary, assuming he picks up both Drummond and Hardaway pick up their player options. Would have been a better fit if Bayline was still the coach of the Cavs traded for Hardaway, LOL. Um, maybe you get a Maxi Kleba out of this, or maybe you try to get Dwight Powell because of his ruptured Achilles, and then you can that that it makes the money work realistically there if you just do that. Maybe Cleveland sends a second rounder, or Dallas sends a second rounder because they believe in Drummond's talent and Rick Carlisle believes he's able to maximize Drummond's talent because Rick Carlisle is a good coach. But yeah, no, that initial trade he shared is an overpay. But I think like a Tim Hardaway Jr. as the base of it from Dallas is going to be the more realistic option because Hardaway is good for the Mavericks, but I feel like a little bit more expendable based on just how many quality rotation wings they have to surround Doncic and Porzingis with. But uh, other than that, I mean, like a Kevin Love trade ain't happening unless like. Kevin Love ends up in Dallas and if the NBA introduces like an amnesty clause because of the money hit from the pandemic, like that's the only way I could see Kevin Love ending up there. And other than that, it's Drummond. And even then I don't see it really happening. Yeah. And even with, and with these two guys in particular, if you look at what Dallas needs, like they need, they need some defense. They need some, some, some playmaking on the wing a little bit to supplement Doncic. Like that's not what you're going to get from Cleveland as a trade partner. Um, I think Goran Dragic 
is a good free agency target for the Mavericks and somebody yeah, who they tried to get last year the tra- through trade, but I think they'll just yeah. sign him outright in free agency if he doesn't stay in Miami. Yeah, he'd be an interesting fit. Obviously, the, there's a Luka connection there, and, and yeah. Luka's a star, and they're ready to go. And the modern NBA does not mean, like, go get wings. And, and Levin Porzingis is, like, a great offensive fit. Defensively, Defensively there, there's, a, there's a lot to, to be desired there, I would, yeah. I would say, between those two. And behind Doncic, who's just, who is great, but is not, you know, defensively is a, is a little lacking. All right, we're going to take another break here. Come back. Talk about Derek Jones Jr., who will probably this will probably be the most excited I think we get about free agency options is at least for me because of the research I've been doing and, and how sad hey, some of the if we have to talk are. about Tristan Thompson I'll get super excited so yeah but uh, well ex- external free agents that's, that's the case. Fair. okay but okay yeah but uh, we want to let you know guys about Ohio versus everyone.com that's a new website that launched on August 1st the site covers all Ohio sports and pop culture. They have in-depth, interesting articles about the Cavs, the Browns, the Indians, or if you're a Cincy Cavs fan, the Reds, the Bengals, and or if you're just a Buckeyes fan, they have Ohio State Buckeyes content as well. Um, on the site right now, they have a ton of Ohio State stuff as that season kicks off next week. They have an article about the Indians, about five things that went wrong uh, last year, and then they have a thing of article about the Cavs, about how they can model themselves after the Blazers. So you can go check that out right now at OhioVersusEveryone.com. Um, it's all your favorite teams, all in one site. And because they cover all the teams, they only bring you the best, most interesting topics. Check them out. Again, it's OhioVersusEveryone.com. That's OhioVersusEveryone.com. All right, we're back here. I'm Chris Manning. He's Evan Damerell. This is Locked on Cavs. Evan, let's talk about Derek Jones Jr. What do you think? Let's. We talked about this a little bit before when yep. I think it was for book club i want to say yeah book club last week um it's reported that the Cavs are going to pursue him in free agency i've heard the same thing um it makes a lot of sense i'll say the same thing i said again cleveland has a dire need for wing players that can play defense and Derek jones jr fits that mold to a t and he fits into their timeline in terms of age and Maybe there's a little bit of untapped potential, but he's another successful Miami prospect that was developed in-house by them and now will go out and probably do great things elsewhere. And just, you know, it's another guy that kind of went under the radar that it's a shame he did. But if he went to Cleveland, I'd be super happy. I mean, that's a it's an ideal player. And like you said, it's someone we're excited to talk about because I think if there's a concern for me, I just want to get this out of the way. Leaving Miami and leaving that infrastructure is going to be a challenge for him. Oh, it's going to be devastating. It's going to be like when Jay Crowder left Boston and people were convinced Jay Crowder from Boston was coming to Cleveland because, one, well, Jay Crowder also didn't like it in Cleveland, but I think Brad Stevens' system and the way Brad Stevens coached the Celtics elevated Jay Crowder's play. And I think Eric Spolster's coaching and I think the culture Spolster, Riley, and the Heat have put together can't be replicated and you're not going to find it. I know, I know the Cavs are striving to get that and they're trying to model off Miami and extent that way, but there could be a drop off. Maybe it's like a Belichickian thing. Like Belichick's top assistants go everywhere else and they fail in spectacular Jimmy fashion. Collins, and then they go back go. to England and um, great again. Yeah. Who knows? Uh, Jamie Collins. Uh, but he, I also, himself. I think the other thing about this that is, interesting is the playmaking part of it because Jimmy Butler is a great playmaker. He's just great at it. Goran Dragic, great playmaker. Bam Adebayo, a great passer from the, from the big position. Bam when you dive into Derek Jones Jr., does not do anything that is really not set up for him. So, um, doing some of the data on this, he's above league average at the rim. No. 
he hit for, on a really low usage rate. He's got he has both a really good turnover percentage in terms of not turning the ball over a lot, but he also like doesn't get a lot of assists. So like basically his role on offense is to like finish at the rim. He doesn't take a lot of threes. He'll take them if he's wide open. Mm-hmm. The, the areas where he stands out the most. So eight point seven percent of his shots, according to NBA.com, came as a role man. Average one point. 1.5 points per possession on those. That's pretty freaking good. On cuts, that's 18.4% of his possessions. Mm-hmm. 1.46 points per possession. That is also pretty good. He can do a little bit with the ball in his hand. Um, kind of just some basic dribbling and driving. Not a ton. And he'll make like the basic right pass, but he's not going to play make in a big, big way. Um, he gets basically, again, so much of his work kind of off of really good playmaking and scheme and, and things working that there's probably going to be a big adjustment period mm-hmm. for him, I would say. But he's 23, really athletic. Um, spaces yep. kind of gives you some vertical spacing in an interesting way. If you're the Cavs, you know, you can, how can you deploy him in smart ways? One of the ways that, to me, if you were to get him, that would make some sense is you play him. He's, he gets guarded by fives a lot is, is what teams do. So, like, I watched, like, a, a full Nuggets heat game yeah. from the beginning of the year, and the Nuggets had Jokic guarding him. So what you could do is you could put him out there with – I think you could do something like Sexton. Let's say Sexton, KPJ, Windler, Love, and Derek Jones Jr. With, with, as that, like a smaller five. And he could be your rolling five. And you're just spaced out to hell. Like you're playing as open as the Cavs have any amount of time. Giving easy reads for Sexton. Love can be your secondary playmaker to kind of move the ball as he needs to. Like there's just stuff to like there for me if you were to do that. He also rebounds well for a wing, has a decent block rate for a wing, fouls a little bit much, but that that mm-hmm. Larry Nance had the same issue, and sometimes that can be, I think, can be a little year-to-year volatility a little bit. Um, I, 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 like he, he grades, he's an A yeah. grade finishing at the rim. Like, there's so much that I really like about him, even though I have clear questions about like, how does he look outside of Miami and in a system with Cleveland where, frankly, Evan, like you and I both know this, this is not a team that, based on last year, we should expect to be like a really good passing ball moving team. We'll see if that changes, but I have some question marks about about that fit necessarily. Mm-hmm. Well, I have some questions about that too, and especially after their bubble camp where it feels like the primary focus was mostly defense and how they can go from the worst defensive team to I know JB's aspiring to be like a middle of the pack team that he thinks more realistically it's. 20 the low, low 20s instead of like not not, like not 20s, historically like bad to like semi-competent so. it would would be the realistic jump on yeah. defense this year if things go correctly so like they have a lot of individual shot creators like colin sexton who you know got a lot better when jordan clarkson was traded kevin love is still no slouch offensively kevin porter jr has potential dylan windler is on paper has a lot of potential offensively darius garland was disappointing as his rookie year. like they have individual pieces that work well on their own offensively but yeah as a team they don't play team basketball very well and i know andre drummond freelancing doesn't help either and um uh it's just like it's going to be a little bit of a clunky fit. Maybe the Cavs signing for his defense. I do. It gives me pause, though. Let's say Cleveland does draft like an Isaac Okoro or even Devin Vassell if they can think they can fix his shot. Now that <laughs> you're so sad about this. We're going to talk about Vassell um, later on in this series, but man, you were so bummed about that that shot. I'm heartbroken. Video. Yeah. Heartbroken because I'm like I'm like yeah. that's behind his head. For those watching, I just put my hands behind my head. Um, 
I did. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to ruin your day with yeah, the something. No, like yeah, the Cavs draft a wing. No, nah, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. They have Windler coming back, who's technically a rookie, who is expected to be a part and a meaningful member of this rotation. You draft a rookie at fifth overall. They're going to expect to play and be a part of this rotation, and maybe Okoro or Vassell or even Avia if he's available or the options there. You said you could play Derek Jones Jr. like a four or a five situation, which kind of works, but Larry Nance is versatile like that too, even though he doesn't play the five. And so it gets a little clunky a little bit, depending on who Cleveland drafts. But I like Derek Jones Jr. just because if you look at a team like Boston, they have a plethora of defensive wings and players on the perimeter, like through the draft and their free agency decisions. Like it's smart. It's smart to model teams yourself after teams that are well run and, you know, competently put together through the draft or young free agency players. So I would be okay with Derek Jones Jr. I just don't know how much of an impact he'd be able to make. And that does make me worry because like, granted he wasn't playing a ton in Miami in the, for Miami in the playoffs, but he was a meaningful player whenever he was out there. And I don't know if he'll get a chance to crack the rotation because the Cavs have way too many mouths to feed heading into uh next season that's why i'm also yeah. like against them getting a second first round pick yeah if you go into if you add him to this team so if looking at the guys that could play like up to the three uh one through three basically um in terms of the guys that you have few red could give minutes to sexton garland kevin porter jr jetty osmond dylan windler let's say isaac okoro dante exum Derek Jr. that's eight bodies that's not a ton of minutes exum probably is the first kind of casualty there but you can also play these guys up. And I think if if you could move on from Drummond in a way, and even if it's dumped for just, like, salary you don't care about, and then, like, you, like, that guy just sits or, like, whatever, yeah. then I think you could get really modern and interesting and just sign, like, a bargain in center. Like, Nerland's Noel come in and play the five. And then you could play smaller and, and kind of figure that out and, and play more space. I think that's, like, an interesting evolution. The one other concern I would have with Derek Jones Jr. as a defensive yeah. fix, per se. I don't think he's, like, a lockdown team defender. He's more Larry Nance than he is, like, pick-your-favorite, like, wing defender type, like, role player. Like, like he, prime Andre Roberson, he's not. Like, he's more Nance, team defender, active hands, gets steals, makes the smart play, and is aware. Like, I, I don't think he's coming in, and if you ask him to defend, like, mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard, LeBron James, Jason Tatum, like, I don't know if that's, like, a good use of what he is. To start, you could do it, but I think the the optimal way to kind of maximize him would be to like, let's say you draft Isaac Okoro, just throw Core to the Wolves on day one. Just let him defend Jason Tatum from day one. Let him learn yes. on the job, and then have Derek Jones Jr. provide supplemental team defense around him. If you got him, um, I think him and Nance together could be like a really fun team defensive bench duo, and I would be all about all about those two guys sharing the floor as much as you possibly could. Um, but Evan, the, the, we should mention this. The one concern I think financially with bringing him in is the Cavs can offer him $9.75 million, the full mid-level exception. The other two teams that have been most recently linked to him, Atlanta and Charlotte, can both pay him more. Um, I, I could see the Cavs just maybe not having mm-hmm. enough juice to kind of get him in. He's 23. You pay a little more for a guy that could still improve. And that that to me is where like I wonder if, like even if yeah. they could get a meeting, talk to his agent and everything like that, the money might not totally be there, assuming that Atlanta is willing to go, you know, above the mid-level to kind of get him. No, I agree with that. And you mentioned the financials, and you mentioned he's more maybe Larry Nance positionally, defensively, and then like a on, prime Andre Roberson or even like a, a currently a Matisse Thibel kind of player. Like, 
doesn't Cleveland already have a player like that that they're familiar with in Alfonso McKinney? I think maybe Alfonso McKinney might be a yeah possible. I don't. I don't think financially. I think in terms of like well. broad role, yes. So, but I, mean, I think like, Jones Jr.'s ability is like here, and then McKinney's more of like a little below league average. Like Jones has. Yeah. Yeah. But, oh, I, but if is it worth ten? Is it that. worth ten million dollars? But to I'm just saying, Jones like Jr. financially, and no, it's not worth. He's that gonna get much. that in the market though. And a team like Charlotte isn't. No, I think Charlotte's gonna be the one who throws the bag at him because Charlotte's not a very well-run team. And I think, um, like Cleveland, for as much as we like to criticize their lumps, like there, there are so many teams in such worse situations, like heading into next year. That I'm so fortunate. Like <laughs> thoughts and prayers to the Locked On Hornets guys mm. who talk about this team. So, because like. I am so frustrated every time I think about the Charlotte Hornets, but no, th- that seems like a team that would throw Derek Jones Jr. the bag, and then he f- disappoints in spectacular fashion. And then he's like, "Oh, he gets traded to another team," and then he—it's f- like Jay Crowder. He'll blossom but for another team. Like, like the oh, yeah, insanely like affordable the contract because he like if, if the bat. What's the bag? Fifteen million dollars annually. Yeah, thirteen million dollars. Like if it's anything above the mid level, yeah, that's where I get like a little dicey because he can't shoot 13, and he's 15. not a primary creator. Like he can't create at all. Like he has no yeah. handle. See, that's where I come in with my McKinney argument again because McKinney can shoot because yeah. Derek Jones Jr. can't. Like, I I don't know. You can get if you can get Alfonso McKinney on a vet min like the Cavs have, and or like a non guaranteed contract because he those the terms of the extension it was a guaranteed for the remainder of the year. Then next season was non guaranteed, and I'm assuming the Cavs will waive him and then resign him either to Canton or whatever. But I think if you can get Alfonso McKinney on the cheap versus spending $9.7 million on Derek Jones Jr., I'd take Alfonso McKinney. And I know this seems like a cop-out, and I like him as a player, but I don't feel comfortable paying him more yeah. than... If you could get him for the mid-level, maybe the do it. But um, you also have, like, again, like, I, I still own some Dante Exum stock. Yeah. And, you know, he's also already on the roster and make 9.6. I, I think there's other players I'd like more for the mid-level. Like, Nerlens Noel, if he doesn't want to stay in Oklahoma City could be fun um i like noah vonley is another young big guy the Cavs could take a swing at like could be fun Derek jones jr seems like a logical option but if you really start to break down it's not a pretty free agency class but if you really start to like look through the leaves and the grass and you know like look at the the subsurface of this forest of mediocrity you'll find some diamonds in the he's my favorite player in the market like, just because we'll see what of, happens. like if if you're a good team and you're trying to build a kind of a modern good team like i think he can really fit but again questions if the Cavs are that um but i'm also a t- i'm also in the camp that like sh- the Cavs probably to me shouldn't be spending aggressively at all and and maybe they don't use their mid-level i mean like if you have yeah. andre drummond around and you pay nerland's like what's the point like there's there's a lot of just little weirdness with this Cavs team that um there's a lot of roadblocks yeah. currently on this roster, and certainly like you, there is just the also just like look like if you bring a guy in and he outplays a guy they already paying like it is what it is, and the Cavs aren't like like there is something of like you just gotta play it through in the hierarchy and see where it goes. But for me, I I would do it if you could get him for the the mid level. Yeah. But if he goes above and the Cavs can't get there, like I I think you're okay if he goes yeah. and signs a bigger contract with Atlanta, Charlotte, whomever. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I think we're yeah, 100% on the same uh, I like him better than some of the guys yeah, we're going to talk about later this week by, uh, by a long shot. Um, but that's going to be it for this episode oh, of Lockdown yeah, Cavs. Again, if you're watching on WKYC, thank you very much. Apologies for some of the, the glitchiness here. We're depending on when we're just based on when recording. There's some light issues on my end, so I apologize for that. But thanks for listening. If you're listening to us uh, wherever you get your podcast, thanks again for tuning in. And 
Uh, we'll talk to you guys again tomorrow. Again, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcasts. And, and thanks so much for listening.